on a show that talks about time traveling Bigfoot and alien sex cults. This is serious journalism, people. Serious. This time, this like, time we mean it. If you think that there are not birds that are not <laughs> real, you're a moron. I do have a superstition that Satan and his minions yes. interrupt mm. technological yes. connections when conversations are getting yes. particularly interesting or, or important. At this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're telling the truth. Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the <laughs> motives aren't really clear? where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words. Why, Abby, why? I, I feel like you're just not answering the question. It, there is a pattern here that is definitive, and mm -hmm. this leads us to the CEO's response, yes. which is not the way that you Amazing. wanna play being accused of in a conspiracy theory. Glowing metal things that are moving in impossible speeds and impossible directions, defying laws of physics, showing up over battlefields, showing up over important historical events for all of history. This is Chekhov's gun, you guys. Yeah. It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece since Act 1. It's Act 3 now. I'm waiting for it to go <clears throat> off. Hello, and welcome to season three, episode 16 of Conspiracy Pilled. I'm Abby Libby. I'm here with PJ. How are you, PJ? I am doing good, Abby. I'm ready to talk about the gold juice. A lot of people have been asking us, uh, what do we think about the gold juice? Gold what juice. is it? And I'll be honest, for like the last few weeks, I've had my head in so much other research, I just kind of like put it to the side. I was like, oh, I'll mm -hmm. look into this at some point. And then I did, and I was like, oh, we absolutely have to do a full episode on this one. So... I have PJ's found been freaking about, a lot out about this all week. Just <laughs> I have out been. About it. I have been. I've got a lot of things to say. First of all, I just before we get into anything though, I want to say uh, there's a bunch of people that are now watching us over on Instagram, and Ooh. apparently Instagram is like cropping the video really weird, so they can't really see us or anything like that. So I'll just say this: we're testing it out for the first time. Um, we are streaming to X as well. Uh, but if you're watching this on Instagram, I'm gonna only leave it up for a few more minutes. I'm gonna shut it down. Come over to Rumble. Come over to YouTube. Follow us somewhere where you can see the video because it's. I thought it would just like put us in the middle and like have the top and bottom be like black barred mm. uh, was what it's supposed to do. And instead, it's just like right down the middle of the screen. So it sees like oh. my shoulder and, and your shoulder. And, like that's that. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, apologize. Uh, apologies to people on Instagram. But please come over, follow us on Rumble and, and uh, YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, also, we have a shout out to all of our local supporters. We have uh, Ice Sun, Real Ooh. Mike 78 and Kaniac 5117 is new monthly supporters. So if you guys want to get bonus unhinged content, come over to conspiracypilled.locals.com or follow us on rockfin.com slash conspiracypilled. Because uh, tomorrow night, Abby's going to be continuing her coverage <clears throat> on the Skull and Bones. We're going to talk about the whole Ancient Eight Consortium and the whole like secret societies at Yale and doing a deeper dive into that, which I'm excited for. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, let's go, let's go. Let's get into it, guys. So if you guys are not familiar with what I was talking about, if you're not familiar with Gold Juice, this comes from a uh, Taryn Manning interview on the Whitney Cummings podcast called the Good For You podcast. I think this took place about a month ago, and uh, she said something very interesting, and we're just going to play a clip of her talking about this. So you can kind of get it, and then we'll just go into it from there. Okay. Do you think there's a level of fame that is just too dangerous for a, a yeah, so Yeah. Yeah, if you don't drink the Kool-Aid. You don't drink the gold juice. So I was offered the gold juice three times in my 20s, my 30s, and What's my 40s. What's that? Pee? 
a lot of golden showers. In the Burbank. gold juice that I will live forever and I'll have whatever I want. The gold juice. You never offered the gold juice? No, I'm I'm a scumbag comic. What's the gold juice? I don't know. I don't know, but I didn't drink it and I didn't want it. And is this enough? I noticed when all the girls, certain girls on Orange, um, changed. Yeah, it's a real thing. It's like a real thing. Like it's all a real thing, and it's scary because they send like people after you, and they can like kind of moonlight as like a friend or you know, and, and they're wolf in sheep's clothing. And, and, and listen. You can have everything you want, all the fame in the world, all the money. I'm like, hmm, what if I just drank it? But then I, you know what I mean? Like, what if I, and I don't know what it is. It's, if it's a metaphor for the gold juice, like, you feel what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying? Mostly. So have you seen this clip before I just showed it to you just now? Nope. So, yeah, what's your, what's your initial take on the, the whole gold juice thing? So she's saying she doesn't know. Like she was offered it by that name, but she doesn't know what it is exactly. Right. She's saying it could be a metaphor. It could be a real thing. She doesn't know, but it's it's real. And she saw the changes in her co-stars on Orange is the New Black. For people who don't know who Taryn Manning is. Yeah. She's been around for a while. She's been a lot of stuff. But like Orange is the New Black would be, I think, the thing that a lot of people yeah. recognize her from other than like bit roles. I think she was in Crossroads with Britney Spears and she's friends with Britney Murphy. She's been in a lot of stuff. Okay. Yeah. I've seen her around. But yeah, so she's in her 40s. She said she was offered the gold juice three times. She turned it down every time. And what they promised her is that she could, you know, like essentially live forever and have all the wealth and money and fame and and stuff she wants. Whitney Cummings' response to it was interesting. Like, because it's only a clip. And I I almost don't believe Whitney Cummings. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. I feel like at first she didn't know. Because maybe she was offered it by a different name or something. But right. like by the time she's like toward the end of the questions and she's like does this in yeah, her chair, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 you know, you know exactly what's being talked about. Yeah, her response is super weird to me, right? Because the, like Whitney Cummings is someone who's been on the Joe Rogan podcast making jokes about drinking baby's blood and stuff like that. And she, the whole time in this interview, she doesn't take it seriously. So the reason that I'm only playing you that clip, I watched the whole thing, mm-hmm. is because Whitney Cummings deflects, like, continuously around this subject. So it's really weird because she keeps going, oh, you mean golden showers. Oh, it's it's golden showers, right? She keeps turning it into a joke. And to me, when I, if someone came to me and said, I was offered a drink that I yeah. could take that would give me youth and and wealth and all these things beyond my imaginations, and I turned it down, and they gang-stalked me, and they sent people out to pretend to be my friend, and they gaslit me, and they did all this stuff. You think you would ask some follow-up questions. You think you would all of a sudden be like, okay, wow, the show changed. This is interesting. Let's get back into it. And instead, she keeps trying to like bring the conversation elsewhere, make light of it, make jokes of it. And she has uh, J- um, Jamie Kennedy on the following mm-hmm. week, and she kind of gets into that question and does the joke-around thing, and she keeps like saying weird things like she'll say um t- well actually right after this whole thing she's yeah, like well yeah. if, if there's a, a youth drink if there's something that's going to give me money and power you got to let me in like tell me what the secret is i want to know and it's kind of haha funny but not funny like she's oh, making wow. a joke of it but she's also like she even like sorry we'll get it to the next part but she says things like i've done this you know blood facials and maybe if there's more i would do more and She's like, you know, they talk about Harvey Weinstein. She's like, I would have I would have blown him to get a role. Like, it's just really kind of gross stuff where it's like, is she I'm being confused. a comedian or is she saying I am jealous of Taryn Manning getting this offer? 
please somebody pick me. I'll you know, play ball. I'll deflect the jokes and make it seem like a joke that this isn't a real thing. If you'll just like pick me, pick me. she play, she's acting like a pick me girl for yeah, like, like an hour on this episode. I don't think she's taken it, but I think she, I think she, I think she, she wants she knows what it, it though. I think she yeah, wants, she to. wants it. And she thinks like, as the conversation was going, I think she, she figured it out or knows what the edge of it is. Yeah. I mean, even Taryn Manning, she doesn't know what it is, but she knows she doesn't want it. Like, how do you know you right. don't want it? How do you know? Yeah. Yeah, and Taryn Manning's interesting because she talks about uh, how Hollywood like typecast her for a long time to play a dumb Southern Christian, mm. and that because she was typecast to play a dumb Southern Christian enough times, she became a Christian, and she's like, I, that, I don't want that thing. I don't want that life. Huh. Um, again, really quickly to the people on Instagram. I am going to be shutting off Instagram now, so please come over to Rumble because it's. I can't imagine watching this where you can't yeah. see anything. So I apologize, guys, but please come over to uh, to Rumble. All the links are in our bio, or you just go to conspiracypilled.com. You can find everything there. We're going to be shutting that off in a second. Um, but yeah, so let's let's continue this because that was not the only time she talked about the gold juice. So shortly after this, she posted something because she seemed serious, right? Like this wasn't a joke to her. She seemed like, no, this gold juice thing is is real. And uh, she just kind of kept saying it. And then she made a few jokes about adrenochrome and stuff like that. Well, then a few, uh, I don't know if this was a few days or a few weeks after this. I think it was a few days after this. She posted this on her Instagram. And I, I looked and it's not there anymore. But uh, I found this on TikTok. I might have to reload this page, guys. Yeah, we'll just reload this page really quick. Do, 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 do. I need like some freaking Jeopardy. Hey, I was just driving to my uh, my acting academy that I just opened. Uh, to get it all prepared. And I'm listening to Everlast because it's on the radio. And he, he talks about drinking out of the, the golden cup. So I'm trying to tell you some people drink it, some people don't. Go listen to the lyrics, Everlast. Come on. All right, so doubling She's down, trying. right? She's doubling down saying like, look, I'm telling you it's real. Some people drink the gold juice. They drink out of the golden cup. So it's like she's saying it's a metaphor for something. Yeah. Like maybe the golden juice, because she doesn't know again, right? Like she doesn't know, is it really golden juice? Is a golden cup a reference to this thing? Is the gold juice a reference to an occult ritual to get to that next level? She, she said she saw it's her. bad, right? Yeah, she, she just knows it's, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole thing happened, and then I started thinking about the golden cup as symbolism. Mm -hmm. um, and just on a quick search, I was just like, what could the golden cup be a reference to? And I found Revelation 17.4, okay, okay, okay. so it says, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with the gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Okay. Right. So I'm like, is, is the golden cup that ever, like, are you familiar with the song? I don't want to like play the whole no, thing. No, I don't know it. It's that whole song. Like if you had to walk a mile in her shoes and he says, I, uh, ate with a silver spoon, drank from the golden cup, smoked the finest weed. I've done all the things. Right. Oh wow. And that's what she's saying is a reference to the gold juice. So then I looked into like golden cup as a reference. I came up with Re revelation 17, four and, uh, Bibleref.com actually had a, like an interesting kind of take on revelation 17, four that I just want to yeah, it's mm -hmm. the unholy grail, as Lorna, mm -hmm. Lorna Dune says. Actually, I almost brought up um, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade yeah. as a, an example of this, because I'm not going to play it now. But, like, essentially, they get to the holy grail, and they have to pick, and the, the guy yeah. that wants the wealth and fame and fortune, he picks the most shiny golden cup, and it yeah. kills him. And then Indiana Jones is like, Jesus was a carpenter, and he picks the wooden cup, and he saves his dad. So 
kind of another reference to the golden cup there, like this cup full of filth and abominations, yeah. right? Yeah. Revelation 17, 4, it says John's vision here. Or this is a from Bible ref oh, talking shoot. about it. PJ, the cup in the. um. Oh, now what's your cup? Ah, okay. So Joseph is in Egypt. His brothers who sold him into slavery come begging for food. They don't recognize him. Mm-hmm. They get food and Joseph sends them back, but he puts the king's cup in Benjamin's bag. Right. And it's a test. It's a test because they could take that cup and they could sell it for so much. I or never thought about that. So it's a test to see, do you want to serve God or are you going to take the, you serve God or mammon, right? God or money. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. And you test them twice. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 So that maybe that's another reference. Um, so from Bible ref, it says this says John's vision here is of a great prostitute representing a religious Babylon, which mm. sets itself opposed to God infamous alongside other end times figures, such as the antichrist, the false pro- and the false prophet. This symbolic character is sometimes labeled the whore of Babylon. This verse portrays religious Babylon as extremely rich. John reports her wearing purple and scarlet attire. These were the colors of very expensive dyed clothing that the Roman officials and royalty wore. In order to be like the officials, those who could afford purple and scarlet clothing purchased it as a sign of upper class affluence. Mm. The description emphasis that, again, that religious Babylon is strongly supported by the wealth and status of this world. This is not a poor, shunned, disgraced figure, but one celebrated and beloved by the world. However, she is spiritually and morally bankrupt. She holds mm-hmm. in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and sexual immorality. I mean, this could, like, I'm not saying it's Hollywood, but like if Hollywood took this symbol to represent them, to mm-hmm. represent what they're seeking, it it fits, right? Like this golden cup full of abominations and stuff, the whore of Babylon imagery. And we've yeah. seen other people, other Hollywood figures take upon the whore of Babylon imagery as a positive thing. If we go back to like JPL um, and all of his cult that was hanging out there in, in uh, Pasadena, California and stuff like that, and the people that they were connected to in Hollywood and Aleister Crowley and the Beatles and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Like Hollywood and, and the music industry has had an affinity for Crowley and his uh, whore of Babylon ritual that he did out in the desert and stuff like that for a long time. So maybe that's what it's a reference to. But then here's where it gets weird. She changes her tune um, a few a few days or a few weeks later. I forgot the, the date of this, but it doesn't matter. So the timeline is she goes on the Whitney Cummings podcast, seems very serious about it. She makes another video saying, guys, I'm telling you the golden cup is real. The golden juice is real. And then she gets on an Instagram live and you just, I guess you just got to watch this. It's freaking, okay. it's freaking weird. I'm going to have to reload this one too, guys. I don't, <laughs> uh, uh, you just got to love it. Hey, you know what? As far as tech issues go, this isn't the worst. Start by saying there's just a lot going We're going to skip forward a little bit. She's like plugging her, her light. There we go. Hey, maybe you were right, Whitney. She doesn't seem right. Like, she seems a little on yeah. something. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with the golden the golden juices. Mm. And I'm so sorry if I've alarmed everybody, but it's like, well, has anybody tried to pee-pee on you before? It's just a lot. My 20s and my 30s and my 40s. So right there, she changes her story, right? Right. She says, has anybody ever tried to pee on you before? This tried, this happened to me in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. Whitney Cummings asked her like multiple times. Are you if saying like pee, golden she showers? No. She's yeah. like, no, this is like a real thing, right? Yeah. She changed her story. It gets and weirder. Just, you know, I don't know where your minds went, but my goodness gracious, people have told me that, you know, be careful 
uh, don't be pushed off of a, you know, like a, uh, like a freeway. Darn me. So she's scared. She's scared of getting oh, killed. Yeah. It's not even fair. You know, times are really tough right now. And so I was going to go into my, my grab bag, my Warner Brothers bag. Seemed like a pretty obvious, like, I'm scared. By the way, let's talk about Warner Brothers and, like, pushes the symbolism in front of you, right? Sure, there's a, something happening right now. And I was just going to find my next mask. Mask. Because I don't want any problems around here. Listen, I just wanted to run it past you guys to make sure I look cool. I mean, if that's not a symbol, myself. if that's not a symbol of Warner Brothers is mus- making me muzzle myself, I don't know what oh is. Oh my god! I'm not going to keep playing it, but she goes on to reference the fact that she believes there's another pandemic coming and that they're going to create one. So, yeah, pretty pretty crazy oh. stuff, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. What is it? What is the gold juice, PJ? We're going to get into it. I have one more thing I want to get out of the way. So, some people have said that this whole thing was staged; that she set it up whatever mm. this and that and the other and the only re- the only reason i'm going to entertain this idea at all because i don't think so is because on the same day that she posted that video she posted another one of a new movie that she's going to be in and we just we got to we got to play the trailer for this okay. movie awesome. so uh this is called adventures of the naked umbrella and you'll notice a few things in here so check this out oh my gosh stupid advertisements everything i had like refreshed and now you gotta i don't have the there we go let's just do all this right. Eyes on fire, Sam. Right, just right away. Sorry. For people who are listening, the first thing you see besides a guy yelling into a microphone is this comes from level 33 entertainment. So you can imagine what kind of message this movie is pushing. Kanokamis and vegans and tea baggers. We. Listen up, folks. We've all known that aliens are real. Hey, I brought you some. That's right. Since Roswell crashed 1947, right? Who is this? One of my parolees. Since that time. Designer viruses are calling the weak while endless quarantines are stripping all the innocent survivors. Oh. What's he in for? Since the pandemic began, conspiracy theorists have targeted 5G cell towers. Well, hello there, 5G. He's got a good heart. Good heart, he'll fix a bad brain. You think you can take me out that easy? We need to get ourselves gone. Why? For starters, baby, the house is on fire and I'm a pyromaniac thrice convicted. You are a convicted arsonist. Pyromania is not a crime. I'd say we better get to Granny's. Granny's? So anyway, we don't have to play the whole thing. But the point is that the same day she's like saying, hey, guys, shut up. Warner Brothers is muzzling me. By the way, here's my new movie, uh, which is the whole point is to make conspiracy theorists and everything they want to talk about look crazy. It's just more predictive programming or not even predictive programming. It's just gaslighting people like, by the way, like this is how you should see Taryn Manning. You should see Taryn Manning as this crazy Southern Christian conspiracy theorist. Um, and I want to say this because, again, the point, the reason I bring this up is because people are saying she went on the Whitney Cummings podcast. She, it was all planned. She was supposed to say the things she was supposed to say. We're not supposed mm-hmm. to think, you know, the gold juice is a dead end rabbit trail. I don't think it is. And I'm going to show you why here in a second. But I think what this just shows is she's still a puppet of the system, right? Like, even if she doesn't take the gold juice, she's still being put into these movies ta- yes. typecast, as she said, and why I think she's upset and talking about things typecast because 
They want to make her and all of people who think that there's something strange and weird about Hollywood look bad. And maybe even they use people like Whitney Cummings to go out there and like quiet the fears down and make fun of adrenochrome while saying, please, if adrenochrome exists, let me have some, you know, let me have some of that baby's blood. So yeah, pretty weird stuff. But I want to look into her claims. I don't just want to be like, ah, she's, you know, controlled opposition. Right. So what the claims that she said is that if she took the gold juice, she could live forever and get everything you want. And that some women on Orange is the New Black did this and she could see the change. Mm, So I started looking through the cast of Orange is the New Black. It was a show from 2013 to 2019. And I was looking at them from 2013 to 2023 and seeing like, who didn't age much? Who got famous more? Who, you know, and my first thought was the two main actresses of the movie. And when I looked at that, it was pretty clearly not them because Taylor Schilling and Laura uh, Prepon, I think, kind of dipped after Orange is the New Black. Like these are the articles you'll read is like, hey, after Orange is the New Black, they didn't go anywhere. I think, a.k.a. they did not drink the golden juice. Interesting. And there's a few people that came out of Orange is the New Black doing better. But there's one that's like head and shoulders above the rest. And that is Natasha Leone. Are you familiar with her? No. So there's this uh, show called like Russian Doll that's been pushed a lot. Have you seen the trailers for that or? Nope. We'll show her here in a second. But uh, just to tell you a little bit about Natasha Leone, she started acting at six in Pee Wee's Playhouse, her first acting role on this very pedophilic Mm. set, like weird, weird stuff, right? She then, at 14, auditioned for Lolita, and I just got to play a little clip of her talking about that. For people who don't know Lolita is, I'll I'll explain it here in a second, but here's her talking about that audition. I'm going to have to reload everything, guys. (laughs) Oh, well, we'll get it going. I remember auditioning for... Lolita, the remake, oh, oh like God. when I was, I don't know what, it must have been like 15, 14 yeah. or something. Yeah. And it was like, can you eat this banana slowly? And I was like, <gasps> and I remember that I was already sort of a bit of a tough guy. So I was mm-hmm. like, so you mean eat the banana slowly? <laughs> and you know, so I was a little like, this is, but it was, it's sick. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's I'm sick. A- it's sick, right? Um, for people who don't know, Lolita was a novel by a pedophile. That got turned into a movie, I think, by Stanley Kubrick in the 1960s. It was disgusting. No one should watch it. And then for some brilliant reason in 1994, 1995, they decided that they were going to remake it with Jeremy Irons. And this time it went over like a ton of lead bricks. They couldn't get this put into theaters. People were like, the girl who's actually acting this movie is 14. Yeah. And you have her in a wet t-shirt scene in the trailer. You have her having sex with a 45-year-old college professor. And it's a very explicit movie. Yeah, it's wow. like the the most disgusting things you imagine about Hollywood are in this movie, right? Yeah. And my point in bringing all this up is Natasha Leone was groomed from an early position to be in this. She's in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Her parents mm-hmm. are having her tried as a fourteen year old for a movie where she's having sex with a college professor that's Jeez. explicit and disgusting. I'm, so, I'm not trying to get like gross about it, but like this is Hollywood culture, right? Yeah. And uh, now she's forty four years old. I just want to show you some pictures really quick because again, her, her, her career took off. Like she was Mm -hmm. in American pie in the nineties and a couple of other like cult classic things. But like, I kind of knew who she was because I'm a movie person, but I didn't know her name. Like I was like, Oh, when I saw her, I was like, Oh, she was in, she's that bit role in American pie. Uh, then she's in the orange is new black, which I never watched. This is her in 2013. And this is her in 2023 at 44 years old. Like she looks 
She looks funny. really good, right? Yeah. And she's she's going on Conan O'Brien, making jokes about how she looks way younger than she is, and then telling stories about how at her latest Netflix gig that she proposed that they all have an orgy to kick off filming and that she called her boyfriend, Fred Armisen. He's like, yep, do it, babe. You got to do what you got to do for your career. And her and the producers and directors and the actors are like organizing orgies. And she's just openly talking about like this stuff on Conan O'Brien. Like, it's not a joke. She's just like, yeah, I do look way younger than I should. And we're having, you know, orgies before seeing, you know, before we, we film, we're doing our sex magic and, you know, in front of the shows that we make. So it's a, and her boyfriend gets it because he understands the power of it. And yeah. yeah, and I don't want to go too much into to Natasha Leone other than to say, like, if I had to pick the person that I think is the gold juice drinker of, of Orange is the New Black, mm. I think she's the candidate, right? Right. Uh, she's also best friends. There's a lot of articles about this where she's best friends with a lady named Lizzie Bugatsos, which I'd never heard of before. So I started looking into her, and she's just a 28-year-old Marina Abramovich. Like, ah, super satanic lovely. public artworks. Like, the whole... She's Marina Abramovich 40 years ago, essentially. Mm. So, like, it's a name that's now on my radar to pay attention to, but just very explicit, grotesque, anti-Christian performance art and 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 all, all of that stuff, wow. right? So, uh, yeah. So, with all that, I wanted to look... You know, seems like her claims have some validity right there. I wanted to look through history and see, like, where does this idea of gold juice come from? Because here's the thing. Like, here's why people are skeptical of the whole gold juice concept. Mm. We've heard adrenochrome a hundred thousand times. Right. No one's heard of gold juice before, like, or at least put that way. And she might be calling it something Something else, else, right? But no one's heard anybody call it gold juice. To to me, when she's saying it, she's kind of like, this is what I'm, this is my euphemism for a thing. Right. But I'm not sure it's like called gold juice, right? Right. So I just want to look like all the different avenues of things that this could be. And I just started looking into people drinking gold specifically to, to get younger. Okay. And there's a long history of this in alchemy. We'll talk about alchemy here in a minute. Okay. But there's this lady named, and I'm going to screw a lot of names up in this section, guys. So I apologize. Uh, Diane, Diane de Pontier. Pont- yeah, something like it's French. Okay. I think. Uh, she, so... <laughs> She wielded a substantial political and artistic influence within the court of King Henry II. She was one of his mistresses. And she is known to have drank a daily tonic of gold chloride mixed with diethyl, diethyl ether. <laughs> right. And there's this uh, French historian named, uh, oh my gosh, Brentome. And he once wrote about meeting her six months before she passed away at the age of 66, which is a very interesting sentence. Mm. This story comes six months before she passed away at 66. That's how it's written everywhere. 666. Uh, And he said, I believe that if this lady had lived another hundred years, she would have not have aged in her face so well composed it was. So at 66 years old, drinking uh, uh, some alchemical gold Gold mixture. Juice. She's talked about it's like, I don't know how this lady looked this this young. Like at 66 years old in that time period, especially. Like that's like a hundred years old back then. Yeah, holy crap. You know what I mean? Even for the aristocracy, that's like old. Right. Yeah. Like you'd think you would have lost all your teeth and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they had like dental care and like uh, hospitals and stuff like that. Right. Um, Beyond that, there's a guy named Pliny the Elder you probably heard of. Yes. Uh, Yep. I think a lot of people have. He he talked in his writings about a gold salve that he would put on people to heal their wounds and to heal Mm. blindness and things like that. They would use this like gold salve that he talked about. Hmm. There's another guy named Wei Boyang, who was a Chinese writer and Taoist alchemist. 
And he wrote of gold being immortal and how those who drank it enjoy longevity. He was also the first person to have documented the chemical composition of gunpowder in 142 AD. So he's not a quack exactly, right? Like he's at least knows something. Um, and uh, he's also the author of the Cantong Chi, which is also known as the Kinship of Three. And this is the earliest known book on theoretical alchemy from China. Okay. Um, there's alchemi- alch- alchemists all over the world mm-hmm. uh, for a really, really long time. But this is like the earliest Chinese alchemical writing. And in this book, he explains that there is a yin and yang property of alchemy in China and that there is the physical, the Waidan, the external alchemy. And then mm-hmm. there's the Nidan, which is the internal alchemy. It's the duality, right? Okay. And when you combine these traditions, you get the tradition of the golden elixir, the way or sorry, the tradition of the way of the golden elixir. Mm-hmm. Okay. So early Chinese alchemy is combined, the yin and yang, the, the positive and negative, the black and white duality mixed together becomes the tradition of the way of the golden elixir. Right. Right. And I looked into this a little bit and I'm going to try to sum this up the best I can in my understanding of it. So people disagree, but I'm like looking through this going, oh, I know what this is. Is this a reference to this thing? So mm-hmm. crude, crude summary. Because uh, somebody in our Discord sent me a 76-page like PDF on this. And I was like, that's a lot. So I'll sum it up for you guys. So the external alchemy known as the Wydon is, proce- is mostly a process of refining mercury and lead back into a state of prima materia. Right. And for people who want to like get a better understanding of prima materia, we talked about this in the Tartaria Antiquitec in the Millennial Rain episode. We went into it. It's different names and where it comes from and all that stuff. So I'm not going to do that today. But... Uh, just summary of it, like alchemists would call the prima materia all kinds of names, including the deity of the mother virgin, and they would describe it sometimes as sunlight or pure gold, right? So, so there's wait, a lot of like different. Mary? Yes. Ishtar? Yeah, that's what we talked about, right? Is like right. in South America, they have these Mary cults that are just Ishtar worship, and it yeah. seems to be the exact same thing as the prima materia, mother virgin, uh, pure gold Tied light. And alchemy. Okay. Yeah, I, alchemy, right? Because they're practicing alchemy in South America. Um, and calling it, calling it the Virgin Mary. Yeah. Okay. So, um, that's, that's external alchemy. That's the, what weighed on. Then you have the internal alchemy, the need on, and it breaks into three parts. That's where you get the, the original book that I was talking about. The kinship of three comes from this internal alchemy concept where you have the Jing or the essence, the primordial energies of the physical body. And if you read a little bit further, you'll find out this is seminal fluids. This is the milk, the blood, it's bodily fluids, right? It's sex magic origin oh, stuff, right? Lovely. Then you got the chi, which is the natural energies of the universe. And then you have the shen, which is the spirit of the body. So this is the three treasures that uh, are an internally maintained along with the balance of the yin and yang. So you're mixing the three things of that and the two of the external and internal alchemy to get this healthy longevity. My point is the reason I bring this whole thing up is because what we keep coming back to, we keep pointing out, and I know it's a little bit over people's heads and we'll move on to, to other stuff. The more you study Gnostic, Gnosticism and Freemasonry and Kabbalah, you realize, and Egyptian mythologies and stuff like that, you realize they all have the exact same things with different names. They're okay. all speaking of the same old religion. They're okay. all yeah. doing this same, you have the duality, you've got the three pillars, you've got the third eye, mm. you've got the... It's, it's, I'm just giving it it different names, right? It's just, it's where Aleister Crowley got sex magic from. And, and the reason I bring all this up again is because the more that I look into all of this stuff, I'm just realizing there's only two religions, right? There's like the fallen angel religions 
And then there's Christianity and every fallen angel religion, whether you call it Buddhism or whatever, they're more, you know, uh, Freemasonry, uh, whatever you want to call it. They're all the same religion. When you boil them down, they all have the same exact symbols. Right. And I just found that funny. I'm like, do we really think that like 4,000 years ago that the Chinese were speaking with the Egyptians, were speaking with the Greek Gnostics, were speaking no. with the, like, they're, but they're all saying the exact same concepts, Things, the yeah. exact same Completely things, right? independently, yeah. Yeah. And alchemy boils down to all this too. Um, then I found another another gold alchemist from, uh, known as Pope John the 21st. Okay. And in 1578, <laughs> he wrote a recipe for a gold-laced youth-preserving water. And it involves taking gold, silver, iron. Again, I'm sorry. I should have given you guys a warning in the beginning. There's a lot of gross stuff in this, but he figured if you come into an episode with adrenochrome in the title, you probably know that this, this episode's yeah, going to have gross, gonna gross stuff. Uh, it involved taking gold, silver, iron, copper, uh, steel, and lead uh, filings and placing them in a mixture in the urine of a virgin child on the first day. Then white wine, phenol juice, egg whites, and a nursing mother's milk in red wine. Then again in egg whites, in that order, for six days. So spirit cooking. It's spirit cooking. The Pope in the Catholic Church, cooking. the yeah. Pope was spirit cooking, yes, in 1578. Or, yeah, I, I, which is so weird because I was trying to put all this, I was trying to figure this out because Pope John the 21st, it, the, the dates given for this were 1578, but then I looked in, in 1317, and maybe that date's just wrong, it says that there's a Pope John the 22nd who out who outlawed alchemy in the Catholic Church, which would have been 200 years before. I don't know. Maybe I have the dates wrong, guys. But like my mm. point is, at one point in the Catholic Church, people were practicing alchemy. Then it, then they said you can't practice alchemy, and you'll notice this lines up exactly with when people started talking about science. Ah, uh, do you know what I'm saying? Like yes. alchemy is just what we think of as science today, with all the spiritual what, magic yeah. practices. And then even though, as we'll see, all of the foundations for our modern day science come from alchemists, we just kind of pretend that the alchemy thing is not like a part of it, right? And just to talk about gold juice in science at this time, we have a guy named Abba, Abu, this is a long name, Abu Musa Jabbar Ibn Hayyan al-Azdi. It's a lot of names. Okay, okay. Probably okay. said half of them wrong. Don't have like nine names if you want me to pronounce them right. Uh, he was the father of Arab chemistry and one of the founders of modern of the modern pharmacy. And he huh. discovered how to make gold dissolve into a liquid. And he gave that concoction to people in 700 AD and called it royal water. So early, early pharmacy, early Arab chemistry, which is where we learned that we get a lot of math and chemistry from all came from from alchemists. Then we have a guy named Periclesis. And he was the founder of modern toxicology and the uh, medicinal chemistry. And he said that gold chloride was the perfect element, explaining that consuming the drink can make the body indestructible. And he also write that, wrote that uh, drinkable gold will cure all illnesses and it renews and restores. Okay. Is anybody else like my brain's going crazy with drinking silver because it sounds almost the same as far as. Like I know so many people who are obsessed with the colloidal silver Oh, you're talking about, uh, what is that called? Colloidal um, silver. Like, colloidal silver. Yeah, where, where you like run electricity I feel like through. it's just modern day alchemy for conspiracy theorists, right? And like Christians, because it's all Christianed up. Because yeah. like somebody, my mother-in-law is trying to tell me that silver is Jesus or something. And I'm not, I'm not that saying That sounds really no... blasphemous though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sorry, it just does No, to me. I, I, yeah. 
Um, my my mother-in-law, I think, drinks colloidal silver, too. So I'm, right I, I'm not saying there there's no benefits to it. But yeah, I don't know where I fall on this because like I know that if you take too much of it, it's super bad for you, right? Yeah. But like the argument is like, well, don't don't drink a ton. There's that cult don't that like yeah. that cult leader that drank like a gallon of it a day and she turned blue and like yeah. pickled yeah. herself out and stuff like that. And that's what a lot of people use to say colloidal silver is bad. I don't know. I don't I doubt it's good. It sounds like alchemy. So maybe it works. Maybe it's not good. It, I don't yeah, know. it feels like it feels like just another magic elixir. But it's how it's talked about, kind of, right? It sounds like the way that alchemists talked about drinking gold back in the day. But I'm not sure. Like, here's what's funny. I wasn't even. I was. Yeah, middle it's just class. Drinking it's gold. middle class. It's middle class gold chloride. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like I was looking into it. I didn't. I wasn't even going to bring up these studies, but I guess I'll talk about them for a second. Um, right now they're using. There's this. There's this concept of using like gold, like microscopic gold to like blast at cancer cells and kill cancer. And that seems promising. Okay. Um, I also read another study and I couldn't fully understand it, but what it seemed to say was that like people in India because of celebrations drink like gold filings in their, in their drinks and stuff like that. And they were looking into this going like, well, it does something to the body. I couldn't tell if it was good or bad, but they were saying like, it's not deadly, but at a certain level it like kills certain, like, I don't know if it's antibodies or kills certain bad things in the blood. So like there might've been some actual health benefits to drinking gold. It actually does something right. And it's not poisonous is what they were finding. Like, in large amounts, it's poisonous, but like in small amounts, it seemed like right. there very possibly is some some health benefits to it. And there has to like like they had there to have to this be, right. Yeah. Well, there they had to have this study because you can actually still drink liquid gold filing liquid with gold filings in it today. Right. And that brings me to what I want to talk about next, which is like gold juice in movies. Right. And the first example is like I almost didn't include it because it's. It's super subtle and people are probably going to disagree with me, but I think it's important to bring up because I think the subtlety thing is what people have to understand is sometimes the messages, the, the, they start off subtle. Like we've talked about some music where it was like, you kind of, you stuff like play the record backwards or look for the mm-hmm. symbol hidden here and there. And now it's just like Doja Cat dresses a demon, like Lil Nas X twerking on Satan's lap. Like they've gotten, they've gone past right. the subtlety, but they got there by indoctrinating you like over time with like little messages and subliminal messaging and you know, like hidden symbolism. Now it's just in your face. Right. And one of the movies that came up in my thinking was uh, the movie Superbad. Okay. Which is gonna, again, I'm talking about subtle, right? So Superbad is a movie where these kids get out of high school and they want to be accepted into the cool kids club, the big parties and stuff right. like that. And these are all up and coming people in Hollywood too, which is very interesting. And the way that they're going to get into this party is by getting a bottle of Goldschlager, which is, I think it's vodka mixed with gold. It has gold in it. It's a golden juice that he's wow. trying to bring to this woman at this party so he can get accepted into the party that he would not normally be accepted into. So interesting. maybe it's a little subtle. I don't know, but I just found that interesting. Look, there's a movie about like the golden juice and how it's going to get them into the next echelon of, of right. people, the, the, the next party. Right. Um, cause even Whitney Cummings, like talking about being a pick me girl, she kept saying like, well, I got invited to the parties, but I didn't get invited to the after parties where all the oh. cool satanic sex magic stuff happens. <laughs> She seems jealous, like legitimately what? jealous. Okay, my question here is, I thought the only thing you needed was to be willing. So if somebody is that desperately willing, why aren't they allowed in? I don't think it is, though. I don't think it's just willing. I think that um, I think that uh, the way that Jimmy Kennedy described it when he was talking to her, he's like, look, I got to where I'm at by doing these things and being myself and not, you know, mm. always going along. Mm. And he's like... I know that there's people at these parties 
who look at you and they determine whether or not you can keep a secret, whether or not you can be invited mm. into the club, whether or not you're controllable. And he's like, I don't think I was invited to the after parties because I wasn't controllable. Ah, so maybe Whitney Cummings just doesn't fit the mold that they're looking for. I mean, if you think about it, like let's look at the two people on gold, on Orange is the New Black that I believe were offered the gold juice. Mm-hmm. Taryn Manning, who grew up with nothing, came from nothing, came from a cult. Actually, she grew up in a cult in Chicago. Okay, right, and comes to Hollywood with nothing, has nothing outside of Hollywood. And Natasha Leone, who was groomed from six years old to be. Mm who she is, right? Like these are damaged, like not normal people who they feel like they have a certain they level of mold. molding and control over. Right. But couldn't they like, mold someone who's so desperate to be <clears throat> part of the group. But then, and then you have to ask the question, is she part of the group? Is this, is this her is she just playing deflecting? It? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, know what to make her. I don't want to say she's like part of it, but maybe just nobody wants to be around desperate people. Maybe that's what it comes <laughs> down what it to. Is. Like, oh no, not you. Yeah, it's like eh, you want it too much, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. She she lets off a lot of signs. She's like wants in the club. So yeah. Who knows? She's like this uh, all the time. Like, come on, you guys. Yeah, she's like every picture. Guys, I'm party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it myself. You didn't have to have a photographer tell me to cover my eye. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know, man. She talked about doing the vampire facial too, where she's like, you know, mm. they put the blood in. She's like, it's kind of like the Korean baby thing. She's like, I wish I could do the Korean baby thing. The whole Sandra Bullock, like foreskin facial. Maybe that's the problem is like, she's like <coughs> Andrew Tate. If, if she gets to do the cool, cool thing, she'll just blab about how she got. To that's do what the cool she said thing. on her show. She's like, I probably wouldn't be able to keep my mouth shut. And I'm like, that's maybe that's, probably it. but you're right. Like Andrew Tate is one of those guys that I think he just wants to be part of the mafia. And the, I mean, he was part of the mafia in the countries and right. But I think he wants to be part of the Illuminati and they're just like not letting him. Yeah. Like, no, gotta be cool, man. Like, dude, no. Um, he's, he's useful enough to them without being a part of it, right? Mm. Sometimes people are better off as useful idiots than being let in on the the secret. Mm. Like, that's, like, like legitimately my thought on this too is like, I think there are people who you can tell are in the club. And then there are people they're never going to let in the club because they're already so good as useful idiots and they don't trust mm. them. So like Taylor Swift was led into the club. Very obvious, right? Obviously. But like I don't think everybody that like covers their eye in a photo shoot is part of the club exactly. Because like Roseanne right. Barr talked about this where she's like, Yeah, the photographer told me to do it. I was young and impressionable, and I just was like, Okay, whatever, you know, take the photo. Right. And I think at this point everybody knows. So like if you're doing it at this point, you gotta know at least how it looks to the outside. Right. But there's a lot of people like a lot of people that I think just get used and they don't I don't think they're ever going to get in the club, but uh, Beyonce, there was like a certain point where it felt like very different. Like she was in the club, mm-hmm. Jay-Z, um, you know, Kim Kardashian, the people that are still wearing Balenciaga at this point, you know, in the club. Do you ever wonder if some people just don't have enough of a soul to sell? That's an interesting point. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, they can't let everybody in, right? Or it just, it would, you know, it wouldn't be a club. Yeah. Wouldn't be a club. Huh? I think it's it's kind of like with Freemasonry. Right? Like we've talked about this before. It's like there's the upper echelons, the 33rd degrees and all that stuff. And then there's just those Shriner idiots that are like riding around in go-karts. Right, right. And I think like 99% of Freemasonry is like idiots that just meet up to get drinks twice a month. Right. And that and then and then when you look at them, you're like, there's no way that this guy is doing some nefarious stuff. He's just an idiot who like shows up to this weirdo club and, you know. It's just cover, right? It's like so you can point at the ninety nine percent and go like, "There's no way that Bob over here is mm-hmm. like in charge of anything," right? 
So anyway, uh, more more symbolism in movies. We've talked about this movie, I think, before uh, called uh, Death Becomes Her. Have you have you seen this one? I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. So, yeah, in this movie, Meryl Streep wants to look younger and she's like really seeking this out. And she kind of through some contacts gets in, in touch with this lady who can offer her a treatment that's better than plastic surgery and it's better than mm. than all of the stuff. And she meets up with her and she asks her, you know, how old do I look? And Meryl Streep says, oh, you look 38. She's like, I'm 71. And the original script, it was over 600 years old. But the point is, mm. she has the potion of youth. And uh, I'm just going to play a little. It's kind of long, so I'll, I'll probably cut it here and there. But like, okay. this is the drinking the potion of eternal youth scene from, from Death Becomes Her. Okay. okay fine but you must make me a promise the secret that we share must never become public you may continue your career for 10 years 10 years of perfect unchanged beauty but at the end of that time before people become suspicious you have to disappear from public view forever you can retire you can stage your own phony death or as one of my clients simply said, I want to be alone. <gasps> no, she's not. Wow. hard to see but did you notice in the in the vial there are like naked men and women dancing around oh no yeah if you guys want to look you'd have to zoom up on it but you can see like right just a half a second ago maybe i can just go back half a second you see like this shirtless guy standing there here just look at it right there he kind of comes up and then you see him clearer right there you see his face okay it's hard to see but yeah there's like the the cup of filth and immorality right Bottoms up. <sighs> now a warning. Now a warning? Take care of yourself. You and your body are going to be together a long time. Be good to it. Okay, so this pin is what everybody in the movie you'll see is wearing when they've taken the okay. the juice, right? And in this case, it's like this purple whatever, right. light purple violet kind of thing. <clears throat> I guess in the original script, it's supposed to be gray, but um, I don't know if the color is that important. We'll talk about the colors in a minute. But the reason I pause it here is like I tried to find if there was like any symbolic meaning to this or if they just picked a, a pin oh, and I, I couldn't find anything. So. Okay. Maybe somebody will, but um, I found it interesting. So everybody's wearing this pin. She's in the club, right? So right. she's part of the Illuminati or whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, Is there a consequence to this in the movie? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. The the original ending was that they watch Bruce Willis live a happy life while they get bored. And then the the ending that that didn't test well with the audience. So the actual ending they did is like they can't die. But like as if they keep beating each other up, like their their skin is falling off and they look like, you know, Rasputin in the Jeez. in the uh, Anastasia comics <laughs> or ca- cartoon essentially. But yeah, there's like a consequence to this. I got to say this, guys. Robert Zemeckis might be the most like occult director <laughs> outside of like uh, maybe Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Where um, I'm realizing like the more I watch Robert Zemeckis films, the more I, uh, we're going to cover his stuff on real conspiracies because there's some stuff about um, uh, Back to the Future that I have been waiting to talk about. So it's going to be a video coming up soon. But he directed this movie. He seems really connected to a lot of mm. occult symbolism and stuff like that. There's also American Horror Story. Have you ever seen or watched American Horror Story? I've never watched a single episode ever. But okay. it keeps... I, I feel like I need to even though I don't want to because it keeps coming up with like Lady Gaga drinking blood to get younger in like right. season five and stuff like that. But the interesting one for what we're talking about tonight is actually from season 10 of American Horror Story. And it talks about these black pills. Have you heard about this? Uh, no. So <clears throat> there's this story about a writer who can't find success. And he moves to this town where he finds other writers who are, who are successful. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out why. And he finds this guy who sells him these little black pills. He finds out that they're that's the secret, right? And they're made by this mysterious chemist, Reed Alchemist. Mm-hmm. And he takes the pills and the writer calls the pills his muse. They help him to reach his creative state and to become successful. And after he takes the pills, almost instantly, he sells his script to Netflix and okay. is able to make a show, right? Mm. But the pills have a side effect. And the side effect is he then has an addiction to human blood. And it starts off like any vampire movie where he's like, I'm trying to eat raw meat. And then his wife pricks her finger and he's like sucking the blood off her finger. And then he's like, no, I have to actually just kill and eat human people. It's like you have to like he's like, it has to be warm. It has to be fresh. Like the the dead stuff is not enough. Right. And I know like this is we're talking about gold juice. These are black pills. It seems like the opposite. Right. And Mm. maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is like the literal opposite of both words, like gold, black pill, drink, like, Mm. you know, drink pill, whatever. Um, But I was looking into this and I found a concept for this called the pill of immortality. And this also comes from Chinese Taoism. Okay. And this is called the pill of immortality, but it's also called the elixir of immortality by some Chinese alchemists. And uh, it's to confer a spiritual immortality. And the search for this pill was started several centuries early on in BC and then continued until 500 AD. And it was all of the chemical, all all of the alchemical uh, recipes for this pill of immortality included gold. Okay. So it's not, sometimes it's even called the golden pill. And uh, some have said that this pill of immortality would make one rise to heaven and become a deity itself. Uh, That it would confer knowledge onto people that they could ingest something and be given the knowledge and and right. and become a god. It's like, Feels like almost exactly like we've read this one before, right? Why is it that every culture for all of time has had an instinct about gold? Like it's just a metal. Right. It's ju- it's just a It's kind not of even rare the rarest metal. metal. It's not even the rarest, it's not the prettiest, it's not it's not no. the best of anything. But, but there is something that and it's always ever. spiritual, right? It, yeah, it's like it's a spiritual significance to, to gold. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We'll continue down that thought in just a minute. Um, and I want to talk about adrenochrome next, which is very real. Mm-hmm. 
But what, one thing we all know is not real. What is that? That's not real, birds. Abby. Birds, 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 birds are birds. not real, right? And that's not because all of them are government drones, all right? It's because the chicken and turkey and stuff you buy at the store, is, it's full of GMOs. They're eating, uh, pumped full of vaccines, fed a crappy diet, all that stuff. And I don't know about you guys, but I like my turkey to be real turkey. And that's why I love L&J Turkey Farms. They are non-GMO, pasture-raised farm. Uh, they're antibiotic-free, and they use a vegetarian feed. They make high, and, and L&J Turkey Farms make really high-quality products, including brats, bacon, breakfast sausage, smoke cuts, whole birds. And I got to tell you, I recently had the smoked uh, turkey breast from L&J, and we took it to Christmas, a Christmas gathering with my family, and we cut it off the bone and served it to people, and they all thought it was like a honey-glazed ham. Like the smoked ah. turkey tastes like that. I don't know. It's like really, really good. Wow. And everybody loved it. Like, oh, I love the ham. And it's like, no, that's just smoked turkey breast. So if you guys want to get some yourself for this Christmas you guys can go to landjturkeyfarms.com and uh, get some smoked turkey breasts, some brats, some bacon, all that stuff sent to your door. Uh, it's all really good. Honestly, the brats, if you get the, the cheddar jalapeno brats, that's my suggestion there. So <clears throat> again, L and J Turkey Farms, get some real turkey, some real birds, not, real? not those government drones and GMO fed, you know, crap you buy at the store. So um. <laughs> how is that? How is that for a transition? That was a good. That was that was. I did, I almost didn't know we were doing an ad read, and then I, I was know. Like, I, so oh, I didn't tell you. I wanted to see if I could just like slide right into it. I'm not Michael Knowles, but I'm trying, guys. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so let's talk about something else that's real, and that's adrenochrome. We've talked about this in the past, um, but obviously the stuff we're talking about when we watch, uh, you know, Death Becomes Her and things like that, they all seem like references to adrenochrome. And maybe that's what the gold juice is, right? Is like, it's just adrenochrome. Mm -hmm. But I, I have a different theory on this. And I have Ooh. this feeling like we've been talking about adrenochrome all wrong. Ooh. And it's literally just because we don't have the vocabulary. Like sometimes we just right. don't have the vocabulary yet. We know to express. what the thing is, but not we know the, the thing. We know what the thing is. And we know why it exists. And I want to go through that. I want to refresh people's minds on how we know what it is and how we know that adrenochrome exists. Because again, mm. adrenochrome is a very real chemical compound. Nobody debates that. The people pretend to debate it, but then they have to go, oh, yeah, well, it was it is real and it, it was right. studied in like Canadian labs and stuff like that. And you can produce right. it and stuff. Um, but one of the first people that, that talked about adrenochrome was Aldous Huxley. Mm. And Aldous Huxley was connected. He knew some stuff, guys. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got this quote from him. He says, then came and I think this comes from the movie or from the book, The Doors of Perception, which mm, is where okay. the band The Doors based their name off of this book. So got it. about drugs and psychedelics and going in other worlds. Uh, he said, then came the discovery that adrenochrome, which is a product of the decomposition of adrenaline can produce many of the symptoms observed in the mesc in mescaline intoxication, but adrenochrome probably occurs spontaneously in the human body. In other words, each one of us may be capable of manufacturing a chemical minute doses of which are known to cause profound changes in consciousness. Certain. He compares adrenochrome to mescaline. Right, and a drug. Yeah, psychedelic, right? Yeah. So like the first reference, the first reference we have in literature to adrenochrome compared to mescaline. Then we have another reference to adrenochrome where they just say it by its name. And that comes from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And I want to play three short clips from this movie okay. that uh, I'll explain the, the concept of adrenochrome. As your attorney, I advise you to take a hit out of the little brown bottle in my shaving kit. 
You won't need much. Just a tiny taste. What is this shit? That stuff makes pure mescaline seem like ginger beer, man. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome? Hmm. Yeah, so he's, again, comparing this to pure mescaline. And I know I found something today that I hadn't seen other podcasts talk about when it comes to the adrenochrome, and that is they actually tell you in the movie very subtly where where it comes from twice. Well, one of them people talk about the other one. You got to listen. So I'm going to play this. I'll turn it up, but listen to this random conversation of a guy on a phone in a bathroom or something like that. It just seems in, inconsequential to you hear what he's saying. Just a random conversation in the background. He's like the 16 year old. They cut her open and they were after her pineal gland, I think. Yeah, chopped her head off. Chopped her head yeah. off and went after the, the pineal gland, right? Or pineal gland. He said it pineal, whatever. You get my point. Um, and then again, if you're wondering what are they talking about, he just his drug dealer just tells you again in this scene. So we'll just play a little bit of this. Where'd you get this? Never mind. It's absolutely pure. What kind of monster client have you hooked up with this time? Satanism freak. I think there's only one source for this stuff: the uh, adrenaline gland from a living human body. I know. The guy didn't have any cash to pay me. He offered me human blood, said it would take me higher than I'd ever been in my life. Well, he was kidding. Oh. So I told him I'd just as soon have an ounce of so pure adrenochrome. Or maybe just a fresh adrenaline gland to chew on. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely disgusting so stuff, right? It's so explicit, but he's saying... Again and again throughout this movie, this stuff is better than pure masculine. It's going to get you high, and it comes mm. from the pineal gland. It comes from the adrenal gland, and you can only get it from, like, a freshly killed human body. Like, this right. is just said over and over and over again. So I guess what brings me back to, like, we'll, we'll get into it. I want to give a few more examples. So another one comes from A Clockwork Orange, uh, which was a book, and then it was a movie. And in the movie, uh, there's this line. And I'm not going to play the scene because the scene's kind of gross and explicit. Um, but he says the Cor the uh, Corova milk bar sold milk plus milk plus Velocet or synthetic and he, sorry some of these words are made up uh, synthemisec or Drenchrome. They talk Ooh. about Adrenochrome as Drenchrome in this movie, uh, which is actually what we were drinking. This would sharpen you up and make you ready for a bit of the old ultra violence. So in this book, in this movie, I don't know if Drenchrome is mentioned in the book, but it is mentioned in the movie. And in the movie, they're mixing milk with this drug, this potent drug that makes people high and violent and crazy. Mm. And this is this is alchemy, guys. Like this is the mixture of milk with drugs. Mm. Milk, if you read Alistair Crowley cooking. and other people, it's like spirit cooking. It's low level sex magic. There's like a there's like a tier of like which bodily fluid is like the most has okay. the most magical properties in it. Milk is like low level, right? So like this is this is alchemy mixing adrenochrome with milk. Um, and in this scene, they're also sitting on human furniture, which is why I'm not playing it on the screen. It's, it's pretty gross. Um, but, uh, I wanted to say like a lot of things I found today 
connect back to like the whole Wayfair conspiracy and even more stuff has come out on that recently. So I decided not to get into that. And there's like five or six avenues I completely cut out of the show tonight because we're already. um, But I just want to let you guys know that like some of this research is going to be continued in the upcoming weeks. And I feel like uh, I feel like Wayfair is one of them. So, yeah, Uh, but the reason it's been on our list a while. Since like day it one. has, it has. Yeah, we've canceled that show a few times, but I feel like it's kind of the perfect time for it mm-hmm. right now with some some new things that come out from like Pinterest and others. Um, but the reason I want to revisit Adrenochrome and have this conversation is because every every reference we have to it is about it being a drug. Yeah. Right. And in fact, like that's just programming and movies and subliminal messages and stuff like that. But like, let's look at the actual historical scientific studies of adrenochrome and see if like that agrees with it. Right. Because that's okay. what we're constantly told is that they're, they're just movies. What they're telling you about adrenochrome is not real. Right. The scientific studies don't show that. And they're right and they're wrong because this is, this is where I think people are getting this wrong. So um, this comes from the Britannica. It's an, about an actual historical um, study on adrenochrome. And it says in 1856, French physician, Alfred Volpian noted that epinephrine extract, extracted from a million, uh, Suprenal glands eventually turned a reddish color when exposed to the air. Oh, by the way, going back to Death Becomes Her, the mm-hmm. reason that might very well be a reference to adrenochrome is because adre- adrena mean adrenal, and then chrome, people think silver, but it's actually like a violet color oh. is what it references. So, like Ooh. that violet ish liquid seems to be like what a, you know, okay. the color of adrenochrome before it gets exposed to the air. So interesting. That's what they say anyway. Some people actually will call it silver though, which is funny because the original script was like a grayish silver. So it seems like that was a reference to adrenochrome. Okay. But uh, <clears throat> says the mechanism behind this phenomenon was deduced in 1937 by the American biochemist David Ezra Green and English neurologist Derek Richter, who isolated the substance, the talking about adrenochrome that resulted from the oxidation into its pure crystalline form. They named the substance adrenochrome. In the 1950s, Canadian psychiatrists Abram Hoffer and Humphrey Osmond noticed similarities between the symptoms of schizophrenia and the effects of the hallucinogenic substance mescaline and hypothesized that schizophrenia might be caused by a substance related to the adrenal, or related to adrenaline based on structural similarities between adrenaline and mescaline. Hmm. Hoffer and Osmond searched for a compound produced by the body that induced symptoms of schizophrenia and identified adrenochrome as a candidate. After testing adrenochrome on themselves, they claimed that the substance could in fact produce hallucinations. The observation inspired Hoffer and Osmond's so-called adrenochrome hypothesis, which, pos- with, which posited that schizophrenia is caused by the accumulation of adrenochrome in the body and so could be counteracted by megadoses of antioxidants. The idea never found favor with the medical community. Hoffer and Osmond ran a few small studies between 52 and 54 and reported successful treatments of people with schizophrenia by using heavy doses of niacin and vitamin C. Mm. So again, what they found was that adrenochrome might have been produced in the body, in perhaps the pineal gland, and that when your body produces too much of it, you have hallucinations because adrenochrome, again, in this study, according to these scientists, when they took it for themselves, they're like, this is like taking mescaline. And in fact, uh, uh, the, the, the structure of adrenochrome is so close to mescaline, we could see it being a hallucinogenic drug. Right. Right? This has always confused me about the whole thing. Okay, I'm glad we're, we're going down this path. Yeah, and that's why I want to go down this path is because I feel like what normally gets talked about with adrenochrome 
is its anti-aging properties as we saw in Death Becomes Her. If that is in fact a reference to adrenochrome, like that is the the anti-aging stuff is the things we hear about with like frazzle drip and, and all the rest, right? But the scientific studies show that this is more like mescaline and the movies talk about it being mescaline. The people in the know like Aldous Huxley talk about it being like mescaline. Hunter S. Thompson talks about it being like mescaline. So where do we get the idea that this is the anti-aging thing that we that we believe it is? Um, and people will bring up studies like Peter Thiel, uh, his studies um, on the young mouse, old mouse. They'll bring up stuff like, uh, you know, the blood boys and stuff like that that happens to Hollywood as we talked about in our episode. And you've got, you know, stories like this, like U.S. Techie's son uh, blood uses blood to stay young. Here's how he reversed aging. And he's literally like taking young blood and putting it into his body. And these are real scientific studies. And I want to play a little bit of the, the young mouse, old mouse one for people who don't aren't familiar with it. But here's here's a bit of that. So parabiosis is done it's in mice by uh, surgically connecting the two mice together. And that leads into a shared blood system where we can now ask, how does the old brain get influenced by exposure to the young blood? This is gross. And for this purpose, we use young mice that are an equivalent. This is gross, right? Like, this is a TED talk where he's talking about, like, blood bag people we and stuff like that. an old... An old mouse to a well, young mouse, and I'm going to pretend this is totally normal and okay. And that the implications on humans is not disgusting and grotesque, right? Yeah. Yeah. The equivalency of 20-year-old people and old mice that are roughly 65 years old in human years. Mm. What we found is quite remarkable. We find there's more neurostem cells that make new neurons in these old brains there's an increased activity of the synapses, the connections between neurons. There's more genes expressed that are known to be involved in the formation of new memories. And there is less of this bad inflammation. So to sum it up, what he's saying is, yes, if you infuse young blood into old people, it will have an anti-aging effect. And he goes, it's a long TED Talk. Well, it's not actually that long. It's 20 minutes. We're going to put the whole thing. My point is he goes on to show that when you put enough young blood into a 65-year-old and you just look at them on the genetic level, they're a 40-year-old again. They're mm. literally de-aging on a cellular level. That This is yeah. real stuff. And this is where I want to make my theory, right? I think that we're actually calling everything adrenochrome because we don't have another name for it. Because what we know for a fact is that people are harvesting adrenochrome. They tell us this in the in the movies. They tell us this, you know... Uh, People who survive satanic sexual, right. uh, satanic ritual abuse, people who have survived Hollywood, people who have mm -hmm. seen the things behind the scenes. Uh, they're telling us in movies, they're telling us over and over again in books that they are using adrenochrome, that they're harvesting it from young children from their, from their adrenal glands and stuff like that. But what they're telling us is that they're using it for drugs. And Hollywood mm -hmm. loves themselves some drugs. But what we also know is that Hollywood people seem to not age. It seems right. like when you get into a club, you can be like Natasha Lyonne and look the same you did now as you did 20 years ago. And, yeah. In fact, I would say she looks better today than she looked. In She's DH. Right? Yeah, she did. Well, let's think about this. Like Natasha Lyonne, as, a, as an example, I forgot to bring this up earlier. In 2012, she had heart complications, had open heart surgery, was like falling apart and dying. In 2013, she gets on a show and all of a sudden she's famous, healthy, young. Her voice changed. She doesn't sound like a smoke. I mean, she stopped smoking, but like right. she doesn't sound haggard anymore. She doesn't look haggard. She's full of energy. She's doing satanic sex orgies in front, you know, like everything that she was not a part of before right. taking the gold juice. She's now able to do. She's her heart's fine. Like she's looks younger and is healthier than she used to be as if there was something there. 
I just think that the reason this gold juice thing is so fascinating and so important is because what we're witnessing is exactly what we thought we were witnessing. The, the elites are harvesting blood from people, but they're yeah. using it for two purposes and we're calling it the same thing. So like when we talk about adrenochrome and its anti-aging properties, they can rightly say it doesn't do that because it doesn't. But it's because there's there's two uses for it. And I think we're underestimating the 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 addiction, the drug addiction and this this just depravity of the people who are going after adrenochrome and are using it. I think they're also doing things like um, PRP, which is known as liquid gold. And let me just show you a picture of PRP. That's PRP. That is that is uh, what they call liquid gold therapy. Mm. It involves plasma injections into the skin to stimulate tissue regeneration. It's known as platelet-rich plasma or PRP therapy, and it is liquid gold. It uses patients' blood samples to isolate platelets containing uh, grow, growing factors and healing properties and stuff like that. So, like, maybe what we're witnessing here is the harvesting of two different things different. from okay. the same victims. We're witnessing the harvesting of young blood for de-aging purposes and the, the harvesting of the adrenal gland for, for right drug use, right? Like it's to use a gross analogy here, guys, it's like, you know, they, they, they use the whole bowl. They didn't let any part go to waste. Right. right. I, like that's what I think. This is, this is why I think the gold juice thing is so fascinating because it's, I think we finally actually have the, language necessary to talk about the things that we know are happening that we're seeing the evidence of to realize that that it's it's like when a baby calls every adult that takes care of them mom yeah and they they like are able to separate out and categorize i feel like okay we've been calling but then they realize that one's their aunt and this one's their grandma yeah, and yeah now we can be like okay so we have adrenochrome but then we also have gold juice and we have maybe there's other things also yeah that we don't know yeah, and I think I think that's one theory, but I want to get into some other theories too. So, like the theory that it comes from that same thing. There's also a, a, a fascinating theory that I think Paul Stobbs has, has talked about recently, um, and you and me were talking about off air that I want to get into, and that's the idea of Icor. So I used mm. to think that Icor was black. I always thought it was, mm. you know. And and for people who don't know, Icor is the blood in the veins of the gods or demons or things like that. So it really depends on like which thing you're reading about it, but it seems to be that in ancient Greece, there was, uh, that the, they talked about how the gods didn't eat the food of man. They didn't drink wine and therefore they didn't need the same blood that we have. And in fact, they had something in that ran through their veins that kept them alive forever called Icor. And depending on which story you read, Icor might've been and was in some cases golden. And I think the reason we think of Icor as like a black, icky substance is because later on we see the the, the demigods and demons and things like that also ha having this Icor run through their blood that's uh, deteriorated and become black Dirtier. and nasty ah. and dirty and gross, right? And this might be the distinction between fallen angels and Nephilim if we're if we're looking at it through that lens, right? Like maybe fallen angels have that pure gold blood, and, and that their offspring black. after you know who have died and come back as demons and stuff like that and are taking on new bodies have like this black nasty blood in it. So it really depends on which mythology you read, but it does seem like there's this idea of gold blood going all the way back. It's said to have immortal properties. Um, it, in fact, in pathology, in ancient pathology, uh, Icor, 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 whatever, mm -hmm. uh, is an antiquated term for plasma. <laughs> Talking about PRP, gold plasma. Plasma's gold. Oh, um, wow. And yeah, because they would talk about it as this watery discharge from from wounds and things like that they would call that icor as well because I, that's plasma that's leaking out of your body right oh wow 
Yeah, yeah. So like the original term for uh, for discharge of, of you know plasma was was icor. Um, it but here's here's where it gets interesting, right? Is icor in everything I could find is described as toxic to human beings. Like there's no mythology I could find where people are drinking, drinking the blood yeah. of the gods and not dying instantly from it. Okay. Um, but there is like just in media really quickly, like Percy Jackson is one that, that very much uses the golden blood of the lot. gods, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, gold. yeah. And it's not just Greek mythology. The, the movie Gods of Egypt, it talks about this as well. And we'll talk mm. about the Anunnaki in a minute. But I'm thinking to myself, like, well, if they're not ingesting the blood of the gods, if they're not ingesting like Nephilim blood or fallen angel blood or stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. what about the concept of what the gods themselves ingested? And this is ambrosia. Right. Right. Yeah. So well, cause, ambrosia. Cause all the way back, being offered the gold juice sounds like when you're offered fairy wine in, in fairyland, right? Fairy wine, nectar, ambrosia, mm-hmm. soma. Okay. There's a million names for this, right? Yes. And it goes all the way back and it has the exact same properties of what we're, what we think is what the gold juice does. Gives you immortality and gives you these things, but there's always a catch, right? Just like with, with death becomes her, right? So again, ambrosia is the food or drink of the gods. Some, some sources would say that, uh, you know, there was ambrosia was the food and that the nectar was the drink. It depends mm-hmm. on which source, but they're all golden, right? They're all golden substances. In Homer's mm-hmm. poems, nectar was the drink and ambrosia was the food. Um, and this would replenish the icor of the gods. If, the, if they were in fights and they were bleeding and hurt, they right. just have they to drink this. or drink more ambrosia, more nectar, mm-hmm. and it would heal them, right? So uh, it was with ambrosia that Hera cleansed all defilement from her lovely flesh. That's a quote. Uh, it was also with ambrosia that Athena prepared Penelope in her sleep. Now, this is an interesting one because this is like going into the humans now. Athena prepared Penelope in her sleep so that when she appeared for the final time before her suitors, the effect of years had been stripped away mm. and they were inflamed with passion at the sight of her. Mm. I gotta, I'm going to say something a little, a little weird for a second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no okay i was having this conversation with my brother he brought this up before i was doing any of this research and we saw a trailer for russian doll and he's like natasha leone is not a, a tra- do you think she's attractive and i was like i don't know and he's like she's not but i feel attracted to her and i can't figure out why oh and i've heard a lot of men say this about her and i'm like she wasn't attractive like her whole career but it's just like yeah whatever right. and now she's in her 40s and she looks the same as she did in her 20s but all of a sudden, she seems attractive to people that didn't find her that way before, as if there's something right. else to it. And it's just weird because guys will talk and they're just like, I don't know why I think she's pretty. Because like hmm. on one level, I don't. Right. But then I do. And I'm just I'm confused by it. And I've heard huh. at least three dudes tell me this about her. And I'm like, that is a little odd, isn't it? Yeah. Because the idea with ambrosia is like you look younger and people just be attracted, like lust no unknown, like they lust yeah. after you for no reason. So I don't know. Maybe that was just a weird <laughs> thing, but just conversations I've had. So uh, it was also presumed that if mortals consumed ambrosia, they would become immortal. Um, okay. And many mortals were promised this, but usually it wasn't enough. Uh, they could eat or they, usually, depending on which story, they could never eat or drink enough ambrosia to remain immortal. Her- okay. Hercules or Heracles would be the the exception to the rule, but he was half God. God. He was Nephilim, yeah. right? Like he was mm-hmm. not fallen angel. He was like half God, half human. So he was Nephilim. Gotcha. So like there's other stories we'll get into in a minute about Nephilim seeking after this ambrosia, uh, which seems to be an, uh, it's another one of those things we're going to get, get into it. But like ambrosia is another thing that breaches all cultures that weren't talking to each other. Yeah. Just like the whole fallen angel and the half breed thing 
whether you want to call them Anunnaki or Nephilim or whatever, like that is all cultures. I actually found it in Indian Sanskrit stuff we'll talk about in a minute that I didn't know was there before. Um, but these ideas, like they, they go back throughout antiquity to all these groups. And we've talked about this before, but I'm just going to put this out in front of you guys again really quick. The reason I think this all makes sense uh, and it's not weird and hard to understand is because at one point humanity gathered around the tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. They all spoke the same language. They all had the same names for things. They all had the same stories. And, mm -hmm. and then they tried to essentially build depending on which, how you think about it. Like I think they tried to build a, some type of device or portal to, to the gods, right? Mm -hmm. um, some type of ziggurat. And they were confused and sent on their different ways, speaking different languages. It makes sense. Like the biblical narrative makes sense when it's like all of a sudden everybody's telling the same stories right? at the same times that supposedly weren't interacting with each other, didn't speak the same languages. They just had different mm -hmm. names for everything. And we just, we keep seeing yeah. this thing over and over and over Scattered again. I'm like, over the globe. like the tower of Babel makes so much more sense to me as uh, now than it used to. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Talking about the Anunnaki really quick, they're they're the ones who are known to harvest gold, right? And like, there's all these different purposes for them in, in the Scientology religion. They're alien gods, also mm -hmm. uh, mine gold, force humans to mine gold for them. What if what if, what have you heard for like why the Anunnaki are after the gold? Because you've heard this, I think everybody has. Oh geez, I thought they needed it for some sort of like healing their planet or technology. Yeah, right. There was to heal the atmosphere and the planet Nibiru. Right. But what's interesting about this is this comes from our good old friend Zechariah Sitchin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot we of opinions. A lot of stuff. We were just at a, a conference recently where they were like, listen, Zechariah Sitchin got some stuff right. Like the planet Nibiru is talked about, but it's not even talked about as a planet. Like, we don't know if it's a planet. He said it right. was a planet. This whole thing about the gold healing their atmosphere completely comes from him. It doesn't come from any other source. Right. And what I have, what we were shown at this conference is like, actually, we think he's right. We just think it's a star. So mm. like, what I'm saying is the whole gold healing the atmosphere story that you've heard about the Anunnaki is not like an ancient belief. It's like right. a modern belief from a guy who's maybe not that great of an interpreter. So I kind of like put that one to the side of being like, they were collecting gold. <clears throat> we can all mm. agree on this. Like that's all the stories, but we don't actually know Why? to what end. Right. Mm. But uh, I want to talk about where, where Ambrosia might actually come from. And this comes from another movie where I think they're just telling us the thing, like where, where this food of the gods comes from. And that is from Avatar Two, uh, the way of water. I think mm -hmm. you've seen this and I haven't. So, I have. yeah. okay. I had to read up on like what happens and I watched a few scenes of it but yeah there's this big whale uh in this movie called a Tol uh tolkien is that okay is that right and uh they hunt this thing down they enter its mouth and they drill into its brain from the inside of its mouth mm -hmm. and in this scene they like drill into its brain and they put this giant needle and they extract this shining golden liquid from the center of its brain behind its eyeballs right which if you're not familiar is where the pineal gland would be located on on a human right and uh they call this amarita and Amrita is a Sanskrit word that's sometimes translated to nectar okay. or immortal. Uh -huh. And that's because Amrita is two words, am meaning not and Rita meaning death. It literally translates to not death. death. Mm. And uh, Amrita is known in other areas of, of uh, Eastern studies. And one of those is yoga, where it's known as the divine nectar. Mm. 
And uh, the deeper you go into yoga, the more you'll realize that it's really about this whole like lining up the chakras and the kundalini energy spirit stuff, right? Which we also found out is lines up exactly with the Egyptian mythology and their concept of Freemasonic mythology and the concept of having that middle path that opens up the third eye. It's the same exact religion everywhere you look, right? right. And uh, what they believe in yoga is that the divine nectar, the Amrita, is produced by the human body once the flow of the kundalini through the central channel becomes strong enough and the sexual fluids and essences are drawn into a central place to be harvested. It's the it's the same it's the same thing as everybody else is talking about, right? It's, it's, it's this all the spirit cooking weird shit. Yeah, yeah. Every time. Yeah, and in the Rig Veda, it talks about it, and it says it's synonymous with a with a drink called soma, which we've also heard about. Aldous Huxley, who yeah. famously told us about adrenochrome, also told us about soma as in two two different things. Different things. And ah. this is the drink of the divas, and this is what I want to ask you: Have you ever heard of the asuras? No. All right, so they are the demons or demigods, the half-breed between the divas and humanity, the Nephilim mm-hmm. of the Indian religions, uh, and they fight with the divas over the Amrita, and they are doing this to get access to eternal life, but it doesn't give them true immortality. Instead, what they get from it is that they're able to atta- obtain a higher level of knowledge and power, which they had lost due to a curse. Mm. A curse. Right. This is what I'm saying is they're all perverting the same stories. Right? There's two religions in the world, guys. There's like the Christian religion, which is like, sac- you know, self-sacrifice and, and stuff right. like that. And then there's the take, you know, take eternity by yourself, ask demons for like the power to live forever and all this stuff and the knowledge and the things that you were denied by a curse. Mm-hmm. It's just the same story told over and over and over again. It's the Nephilim story. It's the Anunnaki story. Apparently, it's the Divas and the Asuras. And in all of these, it seems like there's some tree of life imagery of like there is something you can get that is this object that you can take to gain knowledge and live forever, right? This is what was promised to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And it never works in any of these stories. And it never works for the Hollywood people, right? Like eventually they get old and die. Eventually, like they fall apart still, mm-hmm. right? Um, I told you it's been sitting on the mantelpiece since act one. Like yeah. ever since act one, people have been sneakily trying to get to it. Right, right. So this is this is the last thing I want to ask is like, is is this whole con- like I, I I this is what I believe the gold juice is a reference to hundred percent at this point. I think it's I think it's ambro or am, uh ambrosia i think it's the nectar of the gods i, I think it's that right and mm-hmm. it could be obtained as we've seen in the indian sanskrit it from human bodies like right. that was the whole point of that it's like when they say they're extracted from human bodies and then all the ancient occult religions are saying yes this is stored up in the human body and you can extract it from the human body from the pineal gland as we see in avatar 2 and others i don't think they're wrong so the question then becomes is this gold juice ritual that Taryn Manning is talking about, is it symbolic? Is it mm. a real gold juice? Are they actually drinking this stuff? Or is it like symbol of the I-Core, of the ambrosia, part of an initiation ritual into this like occult magic? Mm. And I think that's like, I don't know. Do you have a thought on that? Because I think it could go either way. Jeez. I mean, I like, think, go ahead. I think it's both, right? Like maybe it looks gold and you drink it. But it's also a metaphor. 
Yeah, I, I tend to think it's maybe a little bit more symbolic, but the one thing I want to say is like on a scientific level, right, is even this stuff, like even the PRP, even the things like this, they seem like they have to be injected in certain ways and there's scientific methods and stuff like that. Right. My point in all that to say is like, if we're looking at this from a purely post-alchemical idea, purely scientific materialism idea, it's not going to make sense. But then we're forgetting about all the occult magic that I think they do. And I think it's real. So like when we're talking about like the, the reason why they can't just get it from a cow, the reason why they can't just synthetically make adrenochrome, the reason why they mm-hmm. can't just synthetically make PRP is because the bodily fluids have actual power. Even as Christians, we believe this, right? Like we believe mm. that the blood of Christ has power. We believe the blood of the sacrifice of the animals in the Old Testament had power. Mm. Like there are real dark magics. And I don't want to like discount that by saying, oh, well, the scientific says that actually you have to spin the blood around and gather the platelets and inject it and then it'll take away some it's, age spots. It's a ritual, yeah. It's a ritual, right? It's a magic. It's an occult, dark, black magic ritual. And this is the last thing I want to say is like, I think that even if it's not an actual real drink, if it's just symbolic, what is it symbolic of? Is it? And I think I found the answer to this. I think it is symbolic of the cult of Dionysus. You know how we're always trying to find like which gods these different yeah. people are serving. What is Dionysus the god of? Well, party and drink and wine and, and gluttony and, and drunkenness. Yeah, everything that Hollywood is known for, like partaking in. I've been waiting for him to orgies. Show up. Yeah, partaking in orgies and overindulgence in wine and everything. I mean, frick, like they're just open about it now. I was listening to Danny DeVito last week saying like he was at a party with Arnold Schwarzenegger and they spelled everybody's name out on the tables in cocaine and Arnold Schwarzenegger was excited because he had such a long last name that he got more cocaine than everybody. Like they're all doing coke. They're all doing tons of drugs. They're all indulging, right? This is a cult of Dionysus. So I looked into the cult of Dionysus, which is a real thing, mm-hmm. and it is noted as an early influence on Gnosticism. They get their is. ideas from the cult of Dionysus, and we can see the Gnostic uh, ideas being pushed, especially by people like Robert Zemeckis, as we'll talk about with all of his mm-hmm. Gnostic symbolism in, in, a, in a Back to the Future that we'll get to in a future episode. And then I found out something about Dionysus that I didn't know. And that is that he has a staff called a thri- uh, a thyrsus. Have you ever heard of this? Vaguely. I didn't know this about Dionysus. I think he has this a staff. is in Percy Jackson. Probably. Okay. Probably. Percy Jackson has a lot of this stuff in it, right? I need mm-hmm. to finish that series just because of all the symbolism in it. Even though it's like written for middle schoolers, it's yeah. got a lot of good stuff in it. It's got a it. lot. So I looked into the staff of thyrsus, or thyrsus. I'm probably saying it wrong. And I found out this is what it looks like. What is that on the, the top of his staff? It's the pineal gland. It's a pine it's cone. The, it's a pine cone, right? But it's the pineal gland. Look at this. There's the Anunnaki with the pine cone thing. Jeez. And it's the same as Dionysus' staff with the pine picture. cone thing. It's the same it's the picture. Sa- yeah. Ah! So if, they're the, if they truly are the cult of Dionysus who are worshiping and indulging in drink and promiscuity and sex and an overindulgence in food and everything else they are doing, it would make sense that they would worship the god of the pineal gland, Dionysus. Okay. Counterpoint. What if that's what the fruit looked like? That's but that's the point, right? Is like we've talked about this before. Like, what if the fruit is is that thing, right? If it if the pineal gland mm. it looks like that, and it's a lot of people have said it, right? I don't know. Follow your inner mind. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that was a long long roundabout way to say I think that uh, I think that Hollywood is actually doing these things. I think they actually are uh. worshiping fallen the fallen angel that we know as Dionysus and uh, probably all of the worst uh, rumors you've heard about them are true. Wow. 
Uh, yeah. See, I've always known who Dionysus was. It's it's always crazy when like we've 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 done a lot of research and some Greek gods are are really obvious, right? Like the the influence of Zeus and the influence, or the influence of, of Ares. Ares, the influence of of Ishtar and some of these Ishtar is not the Greek name, but Aphrodite. Aphrodite. But some of them, I'm like, I've just been waiting for you to show up. I've just been waiting for you to show your face. And here you are. Oh, my God. It was so funny because I was sitting here making my notes this morning. I was finishing them up. And I was like, I was thinking about you. And I was like, Abby would want to tie this episode up with like, who, who is Hollywood like worshiping? Right. And I just instantly went, well, if they're worshiping anybody, it's Dionysus. It's and Dionysus I wrote that in my right. notes and I left it alone. And then 10 minutes before we started the show, oh I was like, I'm just curious, like, is there any link between Hollywood and Dionysus other than there's like they're overindulging in drugs? And the first thing I found was the pineal gland staff of Dionysus. Like, holy smokes. I did not actually expect to make a link back to Dionysus that was like that strong wow. and that like in your face. But I mean, just just look at this. Like they call it a pine cone, but this is the same. It's every every image of him. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it seems like almost a bundle of grapes. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in the text, I think they call it a pine cone or say it looks like a pine cone or mm -hmm. things like that. So, yeah, interesting. pretty interesting stuff. So. Anyway, um, we're going to be heading over to Rumble. To We're going to shut off YouTube and stuff like that here in a second. We're going to be on Rumble and Odyssey. We're going to read your guys' uh, super chats and or Rumble rants, and we're going to look at the uh, memes and stuff you sent us and uh, get to all that. So if you're listening to this, uh, please think about coming over to rumble.com slash C slash conspiracy pilled. I think you might just be able to put consp slash conspiracy pilled now. Okay. But the best thing you can do is go to conspiracypilled.com. Find us all there. Come join locals. Abby's going to be getting deeper into the Yale secret cults tomorrow, uh, which is going to be some good stuff. So you don't want to miss that. But uh, appreciate you guys all being here. We'll be right back with you people on Rumble. Have a great night, everyone.